What about Vietnam? A podcast with Gary Newsom. The series where Curry talks with travelers about their experiences and adventures. Find out more about Vietnam from the people who have actually been there. What about Vietnam? Whether it's adventure, exploring the culture and cuisine, shopping, or just soaking up the sun. Let Carrie and her travellers pave the way for a magical holiday in Vietnam. What about Vietnam? Xin chào and welcome to What About Vietnam. In today's episode, we're going to explore the top five episodes in the What About Vietnam series. I've been recording these episodes since May 2020. So as you can imagine, with the news that is coming out at the moment about Vietnam, there's a lot going on. And I'm certainly doing my best to try and keep everyone updated through my social pages, uh, the website, and obviously with my guests as we go through the program. These top five obviously resonated with you. I thought I would bring some of the highlights of those episodes out and we would um, play them again for you just so that you can keep inspired to travel to Vietnam even though in your trip planning process maybe at this stage we can't put in a date. Vietnam is doing its best to overcome the COVID uh, Delta spread. Ho Chi Minh City is certainly uh experiencing some great hardships, uh, but across the country as a whole, uh, the caseload and the uh, the death toll is, is quite in epic proportions. But I, I have the absolute faith in the country and I know that they will be doing everything they can to get on top of it and I am certainly keeping abreast of news as it is coming forth. There's a lot in play, sandboxes in Fuqua, uh, all sorts of things are in development uh, in regard to infrastructure and changes in Vietnam, and we're going to be exploring those with future guests as they come on. But for today, we're, we're going to revisit the top five, and I'm delighted to introduce the number one episode, which just happens to be the very first episode I recorded back in May 2020. So it was the beginning of the story of the What About Vietnam series. It was my entry point and open door uh, for you to have a look at Vietnam and consider it as a destination to travel in the future. I think uh, because I concentrated a lot on the key areas of what I fell in love with about Vietnam being its food, its people, its culture, uh, its, made, its cities, its scenery, but in particular, it's food. So let's jump in and explore some of the, the foodie highlights uh, in Vietnam to get you uh, get you inspired again to travel uh, to Vietnam. I've always believed that uh, one way to know a country is to immerse itself in uh, its food. So if your palate and your digestive system allows it, Try and be open to exploration. Check out the local markets. And while the smells and views of food vagrantly sitting out on the benches may be overwhelming at first, try and put your, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do hat and try some of the traditional uh, dishes. A little tip here for your tummy 
Uh, it is going to get hit with some flavors. So uh, I do suggest to my travelers to maybe look at taking a probiotic um, before leaving, maybe for a few days ahead. I know I do. And it really helps get our tummies uh, used to the different flavors that's going to experience. Um, and definitely do take some anti-diarrhea uh, medication. I hate to bring that up uh, right in this, but I'd be remiss if I didn't do so. I want to cover the five main dishes uh, that is, you know, Vietnam uh, renowned for. Uh, that would be banh mi. I laugh when I think about banh mi because everybody knows it's my first go-to thing. I love it. The baguettes are absolutely delicious, light and not so full of that thickening bread that we all hate. Uh, they're full of, they sometimes put butter or a mayonnaise uh, on the um, as the base and then they'll add a pate, uh, a pork roll uh, and um, slices of the pork roll and then they'll put uh, sometimes the pork meat. You can have them with chicken or you can have them with beef. And then they'll add um, basil, mint, uh, spring onions and chili if you like. If you're like me, you're going to have the, um, yes, I'll have it all, thanks, uh, because it's just a, a bite to behold. Fur. Uh, spelt P-H-O, is pretty well known. It is a beautiful broth soup. It's all in the broth. Um, the aniseed flavours, um, the beautiful um, mint and basil uh, with a little bit of sugar, it's it's just so delicious. And, of course, you can have that in beef, chicken or pork. Bang Zhao's a pancake. Um, it's my number three go-to. It's a delicious breakfast uh, option. It's usually very crunchy. It's got spring onions. Sometimes they put prawns in it. Um, you sort of fold it over uh, and amongst it, you're going to put the mint and the basil and, and, and the extra bits of salad into it to add to the flavors. Um, definitely my go-to for breakfast. Cow lao, uh, familiar to uh, people who visit Hoi An. It is a very flavoursome noodle dish. It's got cute, crunchy little bits of pork on the top. Um, oh, look, there's lots of stories that it's made from the um, barley well um, waters. Um, I don't know how true that is, maybe in the past, but certainly the broth is um, is what makes it. It's it's a tasty lunch option and uh, very common in Hoi An. Ban Cha is a traditional Vietnamese pork dish. It's kind of got uh, pork patties that are kind of squished up and uh, it also has caramelized pork belly slices. It's served in a broth alongside rice noodles, fresh vegetables and herbs. You're really going to love the noodles in Vietnam. They are so different to the noodles that we, we know. I will tell you that there is definitely a difference in flavors and cooking between the north and the south. Even their spring rolls are different. Um, and distinct to some regions will be dishes like white roast dumplings, famous in Hoi An, as is the cow lao. And as I said, um, it's it's a very simple noodle dish, but try to find it in Ho Chi Minh City or Hanoi. You're, you're going to find that very difficult. As a rule of thumb, okay, with very blurred lines, the north does tend to be more meaty. They have a cooler climate that lasts longer. Um, the south uh, and in the centre, you're going to find sweeter and certainly a concentration more on seafood. A word of warning, if you think your kids are starting to get a bit hyper and you don't know why, 
Mind the sugar. As you will find, they put sugar in almost everything. I found that out from a cooking class. Even fruit juices, pineapple, watermelon, etc. You can say no to sugar, which I do. Obviously, beach locations like Natrang, Da Nang, Hoi An, Halong Bay and the Mekong Delta are rich in seafood, which they regularly sell the day's catch to local restaurants. And they will offer them in kind of these buckets out the front or, or ta- um, yeah, they're, they're buckets. Um, they're displayed in the front of the restaurants. You can then pick what you want, they'll weigh them, and then they will pretty much cook them um, the way that you want to. It's cheap, it's cheerful, it's delicious, and you can't beat the freshness. And no, I cannot speak about Vietnam without talking about the little red chairs. And the little little red chairs are, are quite famous. You'll see them as standard seating in very local places um, that are frequented by the locals. They're also part of what I call the pop-up restaurant. You can be walking along a street, maybe in Hoi An, uh, and all of a sudden the chairs come out. People will start grilling tasty sticks of pork or skewered prawns, etc. And simply um, very quickly, you can grab a chair, you can grab one of those sticks and sit down and, and make an afternoon of having some some delicious snacks. It's definitely the aromas and the relaxed state of being that draws you in. There's no fuss, no parking to organise, no booking to be made. And yet in the same street that you're going to have the um, the street food, you can walk further down and you'll see lovely restaurants side by side touting their daily specials. Like any country, um, Vietnam has morphed into a, a multicultural society and amongst the craziness is some amazing chefs emerging with new restaurants and bringing their culture to the table in Australian, Japanese, Korean barbecue and Asian fusion. I can honestly say I don't think I've had a bad meal in Vietnam, but for the most I am with people that kind of know what I like. I still do food tours and I still do cooking lessons because you never stop learning about Vietnam. It's just one of those countries and that's the delicious part about it. I can totally understand why uh, series two, number nine, Discover Phong Na and the Largest Cave on the Planet, featured as the second most popular episode in the series. Phong Na Caves is uh, a fascinating area that's really been developing since uh, about 2014. We're talking with Ben Mitchell. He's a local. He runs his own uh farm stay there, Phong Na farm stay. And he's really been part of that region and, and it's developing. And it certainly is getting plenty of media attention and I think will be extremely popular post-COVID. He breaks down the cave system into like three categories. And I think that was really advantageous for people deciding whether or not it was going to be at their level and that they could go there and enjoy it. But because of the national park, because, you know, you can go bike riding, you can even surf there, believe it or not. Um, there's a really good, uh, uh, like town community scene where they've got sort of like local restaurants and that Ben tells me. It's just an all-round really great episode. I've grabbed a couple of highlights out of it uh, to feature in this episode and I hope you're going to enjoy them. Let's uh, let's have a chat with Ben. 
tell us about the caves that you'd suggest would be kind of meeting the the average person's ability to explore, to spend time in and, and, and really enjoy their stay there. What caves would you suggest? Well, there's uh, the caves could sort of be divided into into three categories, if you like. One would be the show caves, the Paradise Cave, the Dark Cave, the Fongya Cave, the Tian Son Cave. Um, they're caves that are set up to accept mass tourism. So buses can pull up in car parks and they're set up with infrastructure that can move people either by boat or zip line or up and down staircases and walkways um, into and out of the caves. Uh, That would be one category. Another category would be the, the more adventure caves that are for doing day trips to and maybe overnight trips to. And they would be what I would consider great for tourists to go and have a really uh, adventurous experience of trekking in the jungle and visiting a cave, maybe, as I say, maybe for a day trip and then coming back and having a swim in a pool and a gin and tonic watching the sunset from from a bar somewhere around Fonga. Or maybe they do an overnight trip where they uh, camp in the cave and they have the – like cook dinner by the local jungle man and um yeah so the third uh the third category. category that i would suggest would be the um uh multi night caves so they can go into the two lun system for many many nights of uh camping and trekking and adventure or the han sondung cave which is uh, a a four day trip at the moment. So so you're 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 actually trekking to a different location every night in a, in either either well hands on dog in the same cave or in some of the other trips you'd be going to different caves and different campsites every day. And they would be the more adventurous ones that would be I would consider would be not probably for everyone but definitely for for people who want to do something that's going to be uh outside the box there's 15 trips per month and 10 people can go per trip so you're looking at about 150 people a month going through from january till september excluding tet which is they'll close down for for a little while over tet in february yeah and it's interesting you and and i really appreciate you breaking up the caves in categories as in that you know one category being the show caves as in they're the ones where i see all the uh as you say bulk tourists um you know cramming themselves into buses and and kind of vehicles etc and flooding those caves and then you've got the adventurers of so the day or not so then you're going to get people that are going to spend you know, two or three days um, in in Fongna. And then you've got the really experienced uh, trekker who's going to take on that quite strenuous caving um, through um, Sondung, as you say, et cetera, because, you know, that's not just for your average bear, let's face it. Like 
I don't know about you, but I certainly know about me. That would be beyond my, you know, my. No, I'm not sure. I reckon you'd, you'd might. yourself. yeah, no, it's, no. It's, no, it's mainly for, mainly for for walking. Like if you can walk a few kilometers a day, uh, you, you'd be right to do the the world's biggest cave. So when you walk you know, through it, it feels like you're in uh, Notre Dame Cathedral, but you're a Lego man. Yes. Very wow. big. Yeah. Yeah. God. So, so, so they've got um, like my mother's done it. Um, my, I, I've done it. I, I have a lot of different people come through. I mean, so long as you can, you, 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 you keep yourself physically moving for a few days, you can do it. It's, uh, it's there's, there's a little bit of uh, rope work and that, but where, where where people don't have the experience to do it, the company Oxalis has. It's staff uh, are very experienced and they're ex- not just experienced in, in what they do, but they're also experienced in getting people who are not experienced in what they do through the cave. Switching now from Fong Na, we now have a look at Hoi An and we couldn't have done Hoi An without my guest Sharon Sweeney as she gave us the uh, episode talking about the top 10 things to do and it was a fantastic episode because she'd been a local there for 12 years. Uh, her and her partner run a business called Hoi An Now which you can uh, see at hoiannow.com and she knows the area so well and her descriptions and just the way she can paint that city so that you could close your eyes and imagine yourself there. I am not surprised at all that it rated as the uh, number three in the top five, as uh, I think you're going to see in the highlights that I have uh, brought out uh, just to feature in this episode. So let's say hello to Sharon again as she talks to us about Hoi An and the top 10 things to do. I've never seen any place like Hoi An Old Town in all my travels. Basically, it's a heritage-listed um, small town that um, used to has, is actually steeped in history. It's like, uh, it's like a living museum, if you like. Um, during the 1500s, um, it was the sort of epicenter for merchants who were going along the silk, the silk road. And so you had all these, I mean, amazing time, all these merchants from different parts of the world, like Japan, China, Europe, France, um, just everywhere. And the architecture of the Hoi An old town is sort of reflecting all that melting pot of of people. And during the day, it's it's just incredible because that they've just maintained it so beautifully. They've got um, buttercup yellow buildings interspersed with pastel blue, sky blue, baby blue sort of paintwork as well. And it, it's just it, it, it's just incredible. It's just so well preserved. Um, and then at night, at night, it's like 
It's no. like Disneyland because Hoi An is known as the lantern, the lantern town, and for good reason. Out of every shop front, there is numerous lanterns. There are lanterns along the street. There are lanterns over over passing the street. And I, my favorite time in Hoi An Old Town is where it's twilight. You know that magical color that twilight becomes. It's like pink and soft purple and orange and they have these gorgeous sunsets. Anyway, and then the the lights, the lanterns start coming on and oh my God, it's like it's like this magical Disneyland experience. And then you've got this Tubon River that's just float that just goes all the way through it. But they have little traditions and one that is very close to my heart because I've got a lot of wishes in me um, is, <laughs> as we have, let's, let's not, not dwell on that. Forget the yes. wishes. So, yeah, um, you go on. You can take a little trip on these sampan boats, and you set this these little wish candles. You make a wish, and you put them in a little. They're in a little sort of. Um, little cup, if you like, little um, paper cup, and you light your wish candle and you watch it bobbing away in the water as and hoping your wish will come true. Um, so, I mean, you've just, everybody should see Hoi An Old Town just once in their life. The spas, massages and spa treatments, you know, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah. What a hard job you had to take so seriously, oh, you need Karen, to, to check those no, we out. Seriously. We have oh, to respect it. And it means yeah. going back to the same place. It means actually going to every place in Hoi An just to see what they're like. And, you know, and I do. So I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm, I'm a champion, but I do it regularly. <laughs> yes. Well, look, at um, – at the prices, you'd be mad not to. Um, I don't think anyone should go and have a one-hour massage when you can have a five-hour massage. I I reckon you should just book yourself in for the entire trip because I would. Um, <laughs> oh, look, on the massage, yes. seriously, you've got the high-end, very high-class um hotels offering massages now they cost a fortune and i've sent writers reviewers to the top really expensive hotels and it's very hit and miss and one would surprise you i won't name it but it's one of the best hotels in vietnam and the spa treatment was very hit and miss so again no seriously we do put very much a recommendation of the ones you should go to and Whilst you can get fabulous ones on the street corners, I mean, you can because massage is an innate thing. It's not often something you can train for a good masseur. Um, the ones I highly recommend are the day spas. And there you've got trained masseurs. They're cheap. The premises are clean. They're, they're really, really tasteful. The day course tasteful. You've got the full sort of Western sort of spa with the, the wafting music the smells actually are, oh, <laughs> yes. Oh. You're sending me back there oh. in a heartbeat, yeah, like seriously. Yeah. But that, that is one of the things as far as your trip planning is concerned, I would highly recommend to people to include. Don't, don't, I think people 
always think they've got to be doing, mm. you know, doing all the time. And I think sometimes there is some pleasure and enjoyment in a holiday when you're just able to access things like mm. massage and be able to just chill out but not lie there thinking this is costing me a fortune. Yes. Highest recommendations, it's, it's on our top ten on the website, is Marble Mountains. Mm. And it's set between Da Nang and Hoi An, about 20 minutes from Hoi An. And during the um, the fifth, 15th century, second to 15th century, um, it was used by the Cham, um, it was during the Cham period, it was used by the people there as a sacred site of worship. And it's got, it's really got one of those energies. It's amazing. There's five mountains and each one recommends, uh, you know, represents an element. So you've got fire, water, metal, um, wood and earth. And it's, um, it's just amazing. You know, there's, there's pagodas there, which are like temples and shrines. You've got caves, massive caves that you can go down into. There's tunnels or crawling crawl there's some very small areas yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I've seen some funny pictures where people oh, are getting their bums me, shoved me. through I really <laughs> got oh my god I was scared <laughs> they can really be careful uh, yeah guides will grab you and they'll just shove you forward and then the next thing is you climb you're climbing into things that you could easily break your neck on so just be careful of that you know um but at the Good footwear. Yeah, well, good. Yes, and beware of the heat. Still in Hoi An, I take you to the fourth top episode in the What About Vietnam series where we talk to Paul Simpson. Now, Paul's got a wonderful length and breadth of history about the old town. He actually has been working there for the last few years and has grown to love it. So he has some really great stories to tell about things to do in the old town and some great knowledge to share. Not at all surprised why you love this episode as Paul really shares from the heart and you can really appreciate the things that you should do to give some insights into how long you should maybe consider uh, including in a stay there maybe you know three to five days is a, is a minimum to really cover the old town and the beaches and all the things um, that there are to do from Hoi An as a base a family friendly place a place for a solo traveler great food spots uh, and you've got the beach and the old town to explore uh, I've plucked a few highlights out from this episode just to remind you what such a good one it is and I'm Uh, I know exactly why you picked it in your top four. Let's have a chat with Paul Simpson again as he talks to us about Hoi An stepping back in time. There are, it's picturesque. So if you're a photography buff, you can come and see all the places and discover new ones, where to take photos, Um, different times of day, different lighting, kind of like Monet. You can come to Hoi An and ride in a basket boat. They made giant baskets and turn them into boats. Very creative. Use bamboo reeds and palm, palm fronds. You can go to the Chakwe 
village to learn about local farming techniques and how they still do things by hand. And the foods that you eat in the local restaurants and in your hotels are all farmed here. It's wonderful. Very fresh. You're eating literally from table, from farm to table. You can see how they make silk, where the industry really hasn't changed in the last 500 years. The only thing that's changed is they've mechanized it, but you can still see them using a loom, hand weaving things, and they're for sale. They're still here. You can you can learn that. Uh, pottery. The pottery village here still uses a giant earthen oven. They feed it full of wood and charcoal to heat it up. Then they hand make all of the ceramics and put it in using what looks like a pizza, what do they call it? Pizza peel. It's called a peel, pizza peel. They put it in using a pizza peel. And a few hours later, they take it out and it's ceramic. And Hoi An was known for its lanterns. Everyone in Southeast Asia, going back four, five, six hundred years, they knew about the silk lanterns hanging in the streets of Hoi An. And they're beautiful. They're decorative. They're everywhere. Anyone who comes to Hoi An takes a silk lantern home. You can learn to make them. You hang them in your house. They're beautiful. Softly lit. So you can come to Hoi An and get the best of pretty much all vacations. You can get all of those. You can go golfing at one of four premier golf courses. You can take cooking classes and learn how to cook amazing Vietnamese cuisine, the fusion of flavors. You can come to Hoi An and go to the beach. We have beautiful beaches here. You can enjoy strolling through the old town old town and see the history you're walking down a street that was laid out 500 years ago the houses really haven't changed it is an earthen ceramic structure made with uh, ceramic bricks um, and hand carved and hand turned wood accents on the doors the doors aren't really doors. They're wood slats that they stack up on top of each other. They're still using those. The window's the same. They have shutters. There's no glass. They're all open. This, this little town is the United Nations World Heritage Site because they haven't changed it. They've preserved it for centuries. Who would have thought that the number five in the top five of the What About Vietnam series uh, would be about shopping? Who would have thought? Uh, me. I would have thought because I know what shopping can be as an experience in Vietnam and there was only one person I thought of first to do this with and it was Judith Trainer. Judith Trainer comes to the program with uh, a long history of travelling back and forth. She has a fantastic knowledge base of ethical and sustainable products across the countryside. I can totally understand why you love the episode as she shares her knowledge across Hanoi, Hoi An, Saigon. She talks about various districts 
She talks about various brands that you might look for. It's a really entertaining episode. I've actually done one trip with her and thoroughly enjoyed myself and learnt so much more about Vietnam. A lot more than just markets, which is what you probably originally think about Vietnam. It's got fashion, it's got designers, it's got talent that is just starting to ooze out of that country and really needs to be embraced. And I'm sure post-COVID, we're going to really see a lot more of that. Please uh, have another look at some of the highlights here in this episode. Please listen to the full episode. You can always go to her her website, which is templesandmarkets.com.au, where she features some of the products that she's actually bought there. So if you want to get them, you can get them um, online from her online store. But a lot to share in the episode, and I've just kind of just teetered out some some highlights that I think um, might resonate with you and you'll enjoy. So let's dive in and let's go shopping. local designer boutiques and cafes that you'd never know existed. you just got to wonder. Yeah. And sometimes those, as you say, are quite hard to find. They're kind of hidden. They're very small doorways. And, like, I would have walked right past that. I would not have seen that. And then all of a sudden you've said, no, this is where we're going. And all of a sudden we're up those stairs and I'm going, wow, there's just this, you know, amazing store with this amazing stuff yeah yeah um, and you can suddenly lose a few hours of your day so oh hours. <laughs> add some days in I think what we've got to give us a tip um add some extra days in for shopping on your trip um because it might not be something you do think about when you're going to Vietnam but seriously it's a shopping paradise as um we're going to get into so one of my favorite streets streets in the center of Saigon is La Loi um, which is just across, it's quite a major road on the other side of Bentan Market. And um, in one short stretch of road, you'll find Ipanema Bags, Ginkgo, Lizine, Dewey Ten, and Mekong Plus. Now, these are all shops selling locally handmade, ethical, and um, fashion, homewares, and gifts. And that's something else we're going to talk about as we go on. But, um, you know, it, it, there's a big emphasis on this locally handmade and ethical, um, uh, lo- um, wonderful creations all over Vietnam. Um, so that's, I guess, those are the tips if you've got a short time in the country. But if you've got time just to delve a little bit deeper, to discover the best of Vietnam shopping, I think you'll need to venture a short taxi distance away from the centre of each city. So um, in Hanoi, grab a taxi, go to um, Taiho Lake, which is also known as Westlake, um, or if you're in Saigon, head to District 2. Now, interestingly enough, these are both areas where the expats shop and live, and it's where you'll find the best representation of Vietnamese artisan-made fashion and homewares. Yeah, it's um, kind of the areas where I think um, they're not they're not the mainstream. If you if you just a you know you've just arrived into Vietnam, got off the plane, you, you know, in Ho Chi Minh City in particular, you just you're smack bang kind of into District One, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. And uh, so to go to District Two or those other areas, you've got to think a bit bit uh, wider, but you know, also get some tips like we're talking about now um, about going to those districts and and what to look for because wow, I I was just blown away. That's it. Um, and I think 
Vietnamese, uh, I mean, they're really known for artisan crafts and the way they use traditional methods to create modern designs. I think first-timers might be surprised to know there really is a flourishing fashion scene in Vietnam and they even have their own um, annual fashion show each year featuring local designers. So if you have got extra time, maybe an extra day, go and find that out. I hope you've enjoyed the journey we've taken today through the top five episodes of the What About Vietnam series. It's been an absolute delight to bring those highlights and just relive some of the thoughts, aspirations, advice, insights, etc. that my wonderful guests uh, who come on the show uh, share with us. I hope you'll uh, take the opportunity to maybe look further into the series uh, at What About vietnam.com you can always reach me at whataboutvietnam uh, at gmail.com i'm always happy to answer any queries that um, that you have obviously at the moment for a tourist uh, the country isn't open for us to visit but that doesn't stop any of us doing trip planning the good thing about trip planning is it can be fun when it is matched up with you know, people that have had those experiences that can share them with you as they do on the show. We can have a laugh about them. We can find out all the crazy things that some people do and, and just walk away with that knowledge that, um, is going to help make you have a fabulous trip in Vietnam when those doors do come open. Thank you for listening. Check out the episode notes for more information. What about Vietnam? Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review and stay tuned for more fun adventures in Vietnam. What about Vietnam?